Southern Vanguard Radio. This is DJ John Doe. And to the left of me is my man, Cappuccino. He's here. Marietta, what's good? <laughs> I see you all out there. I love you. Oh, we're not even shout out. Just straight, straight, straight to Marietta, straight Georgia. Straight to Marietta, man. Straight South side of Marietta. Just man. north of the square. Just north of it. <laughs> yeah, I saw that stadium uh, today. Oh, Jesus, man. They're getting ready to put the... Um, they're getting ready to put the... Well, they had the SunTrust shit on top of it now, That's the right? worst spot. That's a... a uh, even more worse, if that's even is that how you say that? Even more, more worse, worse, yeah. Spot yeah. than I thought it was Worstest, originally. Yeah, a worster, <laughs> worster. That's a worst horrible. <laughs> man, I will not be coming up here for no baseball. Games, uh, you know what? We, we need to call the Atlanta Braves and make sure <laughs> that they don't have any games on Sunday evenings. Yeah, because that would be detrimental to this podcast and <laughs> on a number of fronts. For real. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. how are you, Meeks? You Everything's good, man. Good, man. Yeah. yeah. Had a good yeah. weekend. Yeah, had a great weekend. Everything actually, was, everything was gravy. Yeah. Just got done pouring here in the A, and now it's hotter outside than yep. it was before it started raining. That's sure how it is. works here in the South. Yes, sir. So, uh, anywho, uh, before we get down to biz, um, if this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, my name's DJ John Doe. That guy over there is Eddie Meeks, yep. and we do this every Tuesday and Thursday. Tuesday is nothing but new joints, uh, cut up, sliced up, mixed up, like a like a, like hip-hop in a, in a real mixed show should. Uh, Meeks and I kind of popping shit and just acting crazy, drinking beer, drinking bourbon, and, you know, just having a good time. Yeah. And then on Thursdays, we have an interview session. Uh, as long as the interviewee shows up, which he has tonight, which is always a, a, a positive thing. That's the best shit you, ever. You never know. Yeah, you never uh, know. So, uh, so that's on Thursdays. And if you go back and just kind of look at what we've done over the past some, I don't know, what, 18 months now, Meeks? Yeah. All kinds of good shit for you to catch up and listen to. Absolutely. So uh, last week we had a, a, a local Atlanta, uh, call it legend, if you will. Yep. A, yeah. Icon, activist, if, activist yep. if you would, Methuselah. Uh-huh. Before that, the week before that, we had, who do we have, Meeks? We had uh, Peter. I'm having a brain fart right now. Peter Augustus. That's right. It was Peter. That's right. Peter Augustine. Yep. Uh, who is actually the reason we have uh, the gentleman on the phone with us tonight. Yeah. Uh, Lord Finesse, DJ Skiz, uh-huh. uh, Soundside. John Robinson. Uh, John Robinson. Bernadette Price. Bernadette Price. All, just all kinds of good shit. Yeah. So go back and check that out. We're up to episode 73 this week on the uh, on the mix show. Man. Wow, we're we're getting there. A hundred's coming. I'm telling you, we got a plan for that, man. We're gonna we're gonna do it's it right, crazy. man. We're gonna do, we got to got to figure out something. Vanguard Fest. Vanguard Fest. Yeah. <laughs> right here in your backyard. <laughs> They'll come out. Yeah. All right. So, uh, without any further ado, this is an interview session. Yeah. And tonight, thanks to the one and only Peter Augustine. Shout out to Peter. Man, uh, hooked us up almost. Actually, he he hollered at us before we even did the interview with him. He said, "Yo, would you want to have these guys on?" We were like, hell yeah, we've been longtime fans. Yeah. And, um, you know, that brings us to tonight. So, without any further ado, Thez won from People Under the Stairs. I'm sorry, sir. That is Lord Radio. Lord Radio. (laughs) (laughs) Get it right. Thez, how are you, my man? What's going on, man? What's up, Southern Vanguard? It's you, man. Listeners, everyone out there, what's good, man? What's happening, man? We're glad to have you tonight, man. Everything good in your way? Everything is chilling. I'm currently sitting here in the studio with my feet up. It's uh, you know, it's a pleasant day. It's almost summertime here in LA. So man, you know, man, I couldn't be better right now. You LA know? in the summertime. All right, good you deal. Know? 
So, Thez, what's the latest, man? I mean, we, we like to talk about old stuff and new stuff and, you know, everything in between. But um, what's what, what's the latest and greatest? 2016 has been um, we've seen some new, we've seen some new music uh, come out. So why don't we just kind of level set with everyone and, and tell everybody where you guys are at right now? Right. So I guess, you know, order of business number one is we have um, we're working on our 10th album and it's basically nice. being released in three parts. So. There is the first part, second part, and the third part. So we just released the second part. So the name of the album is The Getting Off Stage. And so The Getting Off Stage Part 2 just came out. And uh, that album was basically, uh, we did something a little different. We basically made it free. Because if, it, if it's not free from us, you're going to get it free from iTunes Radio. You'll get it free from Spotify. So we figured uh, the least, you know. The Somebody least got it for it, the free. It to free. everyone straight away, you know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Somebody got it for free somewhere. <laughs> yeah, or or to get it from the homie, or to yeah. get it from the block. I mean, the, the thing is, you know, um, we've been God. I mean, we've been doing this for so long, and we've seen every incarnation of the of the industry. So mm-hmm. at this point, I think that you know it's basically come down to the fans. Everyone's really relying on the fans, right? And I feel like you know they blew it earlier in the game because they the the RIAA and the record industry tried to be like confront the fans and say, you're not allowed to share music. You're not allowed mm. to do this and that and whatever. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if you guys remember, they were like, they were actually trying to sue like college students who had been sharing. Oh, files. Oh, yeah. oh yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah. The file sharing Which, was crazy, man. You, you right. 16 sitting in a cell waiting on your mom and dad to come get you. Cause, <laughs> cause you got the new biggie record or something. <laughs> right. Crazy. Right. I mean, it's just completely ridiculous yeah. because, they're biting the hand that feeds them in a sense, you know, right. but at, at the very minimum, they were putting the artists in a tough position. And I mean, we rely on our fans to, to keep us around, you know? Okay. Um, so the last thing we want to do is be, you know, antagonistic with them or whatever. So we just figured, you know, at this point in the game, they're the ones that come out to the shows are the ones that do all that. And if given the opportunity, they'll buy it. If mm-hmm. given the opportunity, they'll donate money. They'll do something because, uh, you know, people are good. People want to, people don't want to just take food off your plate or take an album right. for free, but I don't. I never want that to stop someone from hearing what we do. Yeah. You know, me and Double right. K are here in the studio busting our ass, and the last thing I want is for someone to go. Ah, I don't want to give iTunes six ninety nine for it. You know. Right. Nah. I want. I want you to hear it, and if you feel like you like it, then come to the show or buy a record or a t shirt or whatever. But I don't want that to stop someone from enjoying what we put our heart and soul that's into at this up. point in the game. I yeah. think that's the most positive stance I've heard on that uh, in a I long think it is time, too. man. <laughs> dope for real, yeah. but that's real shit though. That's real. I mean, you know, I think I think also because like like yourselves, like we're music lovers first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, when you get in like your homeboy's car, like you want to play him, you want to share that feeling. You want to, yo, have you heard this? Have you heard that? People inherently want to share something that's good. And I think that the hardest thing for us with releasing this record for free was how do we convey to people that this is really a record and not like a mixtape or something. Like, how right. do you give away something for free, but still make people feel like it's not disposable? Mm. So, you know, we had to make sure that we were we were giving it our all and that we were still getting it mastered and paying all the money to, to go through with it. Right. But then give it away and trust that people will... will. I mean, man, we have people like donating money, just saying like, hey, I love the record, here's 20 bucks. Yeah. And and that's that's amazing, man. I mean, I mean we right. couldn't be more stoked. So we got yeah. like a whole new. We're back from the dead now, you know. So Thess, so so you guys have not done a campaign like this before. 
No, no, okay. we've never okay. we've never given a record away with no no strings attached. If you want the record, you can either listen to it on SoundCloud. Mm-hmm. You can go to our website and download it. You know, high res MP3s, fully tagged for free. It's it's there for everybody. You know, truth be told, you actually might see more revenue from an approach like that. Like just like somebody might throw you 20 bucks versus, you know, paying seven or eight bucks for the entire album. You never know. Kind of hard to tell with the math there, right? It's it's tough to say, you know, but I mean, I think ultimately there have been a lot of people that that are going to pick up the slack for other people. And that's fine. Like there's one dude who's real passionate who's like, yo, here's a hundred bucks. I I got money. I want to make sure you guys keep making music. And then there's a bunch of people who just hear it and they're like, "Ah, that was cool." But the fact of the matter is, Double K and aren't trying. We're not. We don't need to be rich. We just need to right. be able to be comfortable, right? And happy. Right. You know right. what I mean? Right. Like, right. no, we're not in this to make a hundred thousand dollars. If we can make twenty or thirty thousand dollars off this, that's enough to keep me going another year and make more music. And I mean, like, I can't complain. I, you know what I mean? Like my right. expectations. I'm just blessed, man. All all these people I looked up to coming up in hip hop, they're all gone. Most of them are, are gone, you know, yeah. or, they're, or they're pounding the pavement and they're staying on tour. And, you know, mm-hmm. we're just trying to find some happy medium where we could raise a family, be at home, make good music, but not have to, you know, compromise what we do. There you go. Couldn't say it any better. So, uh, so, so that you guys still did some physical for, for this one or for the last one, I was at the website and I, I thought I saw some physical for something there, some physical. Yeah, product. we do. We still make, you know, there's still physical available. So there's still, um, there's still LPs. We did tape. We're doing tapes now because you know, everyone's, everyone's bringing the tapes back. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you still can buy it. There's t-shirts. There's, you know, there are opportunities for people to buy a fi- it as a physical release, but the difference with this record is that you don't have to buy the physical right. to, to receive the digital. You know what right, I mean? Right, 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 or if there's right. a DJ who's like, hey, I want to I wanna, you know, get the MP3s, they don't have to like buy the vinyl and rip it at home. And then, you right. know, like we basically made it available uh, because, yeah, why not, man? At this point, why not, dude? Like things have changed so much. And, and honestly, like I'm not even, we're not salty about it. I think it's a good thing. I think it's a good thing that people can guilt-free share something that they love, you know? That's dope. Yeah, that is dope. So as kind of an extension of that, you were talking about the high quality stuff. Um, And I want to I want to ask you specifically about something you did a number of years back where you offered the the, the kind of a call it get into that. Yeah, call call it an ultra high res kind of (laughs) uh, uh, version of the album. Uh, I'm going to fuck up the name Fraunhofer uh, kind of 24 bit, all that good shit. Um, are, Are you guys still doing that? Or when you no s- okay no <laughs> there, there were a couple of issues with that one was bandwidth um, yeah. mm-hmm. I didn't realize at the time how difficult it was going to be for people to download it without like it crashing their oh uh, wow yeah computer you know what I mean yeah. and uh, and and so that was that was a little short sightedness on my part but I but I, the thing about it is like every time we release a record or get ready to do a project I look around and I try and think what are some issues that are out here, what's something that can make this better? And at the time, Apple and iTunes still had it, like they were still making you use like their, you know, like their proprietary compression and it wasn't yeah. great. Yeah, it's it better shit. now for yeah, sure. I mean, MP3s yeah, weren't great back then. They're no, better they're now. Right. Yeah. So as, as technology gets better, like I, I don't, I don't feel compelled to like keep it going just so we can fly a flag. Like I don't record the tape all the time anymore just because tape is quote unquote better. Like I'll use technology 
to whatever advantage it can give me. You know what I mean? Okay. I think it's amazing that you can stream something off SoundCloud and have it sound yeah pretty good. You yeah. know, that's crazy right. on my phone. Yeah, for yeah, free. I know. Yeah, yeah. So, but at the time we didn't really have that, and and so I wanted to give people an opportunity to get it in a in a higher res than the MP3 at the time could sustain. Because um, you know everything sounds amazing here in the studio, but really you got to try and find a way to get it to the consumer in a way that it matches what you're hearing here at home. That's right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And yes. I was glad I was glad to hear you say earlier that you y'all don't skimp on. Um, uh, even today with music, uh, with the industry being the way it is, I'm glad to hear that y'all don't skip on anything as far as uh, like your physicals and just, you know, doing top notch artwork and stuff like that. Are you is that something that um, you guys are still pretty passionate about? Because um, a lot of people kind of let that go. Absolutely. South yeah, yeah the mashing and the mixing. Everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, we are. In fact, I mean, I, there's a couple of things to that. Like we've, we've I've always tried to, to maintain some sort of physical presence because you know, what we make isn't disposable. I don't want it to be a file that gets shared around and then disappears. Um, so I want it to be something that someone can shelf if need be. Okay. And, but I'm proud of the fact that I've never had to raise money to do it. Like I ne- we've never had a Kickstarter mm-hmm. because uh-huh. I always believe that if it was, if I need to be the one to make the investment, if this is going to cost five G's to master it at Bernie Grumman and press it on vinyl and do a tip on sleeve, I got to be willing to make that. I'm not going to make my fans shoulder that yeah. risk. Yeah. I got to, I got to believe right. in my product first and foremost. So if that means taking out a loan or taking credit out just to make it happen, if I, that's kind of like my litmus test. Like if I'm not willing to do that, then it doesn't belong on vinyl. Mm. So mm. it is, you know what I mean? You got it. People don't think about it. They want to put it on the fans and be like, well, you know, we, we got to sell all the units on Kickstarter before we even press the vinyl. And we came at it from a different approach. My approach mm. was if I don't feel confident that it's going to do it, then why would I make anyone else pay for it? You yeah. Know? You know what? I've never really thought about it like that before, but I bet if you went back and looked at it and, and, and you know, we're singling out hip hop here, uh, at least for the sake of this conversation, I, I bet if you went back and looked at, um, just, you know, how many people did Kickstarters and maybe what the, um, uh, I guess what that particular artist's experience has been mm-hmm. from p- putting out music. I bet that a majority of those Kickstarters, um, probably never had to actually invest in themselves before. Right. So, so being able to set, to make the commitment to say, I'm going to take five grand or I'm, you know, and, and, and you know, right. as you're, you're talking to two guys that have, you know, press records and tapes oh, and yeah. CDs and all that shit. All right. So that, yeah. we've been through all that. We, we, you, you've been through all that beauty and the pain of it. Yeah. So pain, right. Yeah, when exactly. you're sitting in, sitting in your garage and you're looking at it going, Oh my God. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right. <laughs> Daily. Exactly. Daily. Exactly. <laughs> Every I, time you go out there. Oh yeah, wow. Right. Damn. They still here. It would be really interesting. <laughs> like it would be really interesting. Like, to go back and see what the percentage of, of, of people and, you know, maybe a majority of those people always had a record label or had some sort of, you know, way or means to get the record press. And yeah. now in the new modern era, they're not willing to, you know, take that risk. Yeah. You know, I mean, daylight just got 350 grand to record a fucking album. I, Yo, mean, I think Jesus. it was more than that. Man. Yeah. yeah or 400 grand or whatever it was. Yeah. I was That's watching a, that whole thing unfold. And, and of course, you know, a lot of people were like, well, you guys should do that too. And uh, believe me, man, when I saw how much money they raised, it definitely crossed my mind. I was like, I'm probably, I may be going about this 
entirely wrong. <laughs> right. But, right, right. You know, the thing, the thing about the crowdsourcing and the crowdfunding and all that sort of stuff is like, I, there's a certain responsibility. Like it creates a weird relationship then with your fans because, you know, I know, I know our fans will support us regardless. If I did a Kickstarter, I know, man, they're so amazing. They'll go on there and they'll, they'll drop the money, just like Daylaw's fans did. You yeah, know, Daylaw's right. fans have so much faith in Daylaw that they went on there. And that's a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is. I don't know, though, if I could sleep at night knowing that everyone is waiting for months and months and months for me to actually complete the project. Like, I, it would hinder my creative. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Like, yeah, if, yeah. if I had three hundred fifty thousand yeah. dollars worth of people waiting for me to finish a project, yeah. it, I would I'd be a wreck, man. I couldn't yeah. do it. That's that is that is some pressure, Dad, for sure. <laughs> well, the you thing know, is, and, and it would change what I made, I think, too, because you know, and I know, like with Daylight, they look at the metrics. They're like, okay, we have, uh, you know, you just thirty percent of these are women between the ages of blah 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 blah, mm-hmm. and and so then you start thinking, man, man, we got to make sure we have a track. You know, cater to the. You got to make yeah. these people happy yeah. Yeah. now. Yeah, and That's I'm not a, tough... a corporation, man. I don't report to anybody. I don't report to investors, shareholders, nothing, dude. Like me and Double K report to each other, and that's it. So yeah. I don't ever want a situation where we can't get in the studio and be free be us and and maybe make a song that tanks but not have the responsibility of owing anyone anything you know yeah yeah that's the thing i bet as an artist i mean you, you know the you know fans are great and, and and you and you love your fans and they support you but to a degree your fans always have some sort of expectation mm-hmm. of you regardless before you even put you know something like a kickstarter or, or a crowdsourcing a crowdfunding kind of thing also on your back, right? I mean, it's it's kind of yeah, like... Yeah, <laughs> they, they do, and I think we've, we've been... We've toyed with them, I think, a little bit in the past. I mean, we definitely... If we had made, if we had made OST every album, there'd be a large group of people who would be stoked. We might even be a more popular group. Mm. But the thing is, after we made OST in 2002, I didn't want to make another record that sounded like that. I didn't right. want to sample jazz records anymore. That was it. Like, that was my version of that vision of hip-hop. And I didn't have anything left in me to go in that direction anymore. Wow. Okay. I think that that version, that vision of hip hop is a very, uh, like, it's a very familiar one. And the jazz loops and everything, like, people gravitate towards it and it feels right to them when they hear it. But that doesn't mean that I didn't want to keep doing that over and over and over again. Hmm. I did it. Right. That was it. And there it is. You What's know? next? Yeah. Right. So if we did, like, a Kickstarter and we were like, hey, we're going to do OST part two. OST 2016. I'm sure there would be a lot of people who would chip money in, right? And they'd be like, "Oh, yo, we're we're definitely down with that." But then you have the responsibility of meeting the expectation of of that art. And yeah. uh, again, I'm not anyone who's done a Kickstarter. I mean, more power to you. I I just me personally. I'm a nervous wreck just trying to get it done to make myself happy. Well, nah, I, you, I couldn't you, imagine. Nah, you, know? you on point with that because let's not forget, and if I'm not mistaken, please correct me here, but that, that Future is on the Daylight album, right? Uh, no, mm-hmm. 2 Chains. 2 Chains. Mm-hmm. 2 Chains. 2 Chains. Okay, 2 Chains is on it. Okay. Um, Snoop's so, on it. Yeah, so yeah. You that, know that, I mean? actually, that actually somewhat fits. I don't know about chains. Man. Yeah, I'm I'm that. on I'm on chains. I'm on two chains on a De La Soul <laughs> album. I I feel a certain type of way about that. I I really do. I do too. But man. That, I do too, man. But that, I mean, it just it feels very calculated, right? It feels very, and that goes like a smart that goes into what move. yeah, and that goes into what you're yeah. saying. Your your freedom isn't there, and you have to cater 
to uh, the contributors who are making this possible for you. Um, and you're not only putting out an a, a album with $350,000, $400,000. You, you're feeding your family. You know, you, you, you're taking yeah. care of you. You're taking care of you and yours. And then you can get this album out as well. You're not going to blow the whole wad on this yeah. album, I'm, I'm sure. Talking about it's not possible. Yeah, no, no, no. Talking about no smart way. business decisions, but yeah, the the two chains thing was very calculated for sure. Snoop Dogg too. Yeah, the absolutely. Snoop, Snoop Dogg's on the new single. Yeah, absolutely. So these people got paid a portion of the money. I'm mm-hmm. sure. Like maybe they did it for free. I don't know. And let me let me preface this by saying that De La, I wouldn't even be making rap music if it wasn't for me buying. De La Soul tape in 1989. Yeah, so I'm right there with I you. I owe I I'm immensely owe a lot to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I say this with no um, hatred or whatever. Oh no, it's just an observation. Fact, fact of the matter is, I would you know if if it was me, and again these are just to speak like a fan, like the kind of dudes who breathe down my neck. Yeah, I'm <laughs> breathe down De La's neck. How come Prince Paul didn't produce the whole record? That's what I want mm, as a fan. Yeah, right, yeah. I want to see a Prince Paul De La reunion. I don't care about Snoop Dogg. I don't care about Two Chains, mm-hmm. David Byrne, whoever the hell's on. I don't give a shit. I want to hear those loops, and yeah. I want to hear De La being De La. Yeah, and uh, you know, no but doubt. I know that's not smart business in 2016. And the fact that it isn't, and that that dictates what comes out, that that bothers me. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Right, right. I'm with you. Absolutely. Whether it be whether it be owing something to the fans or owing something to like a Red Bull or something, whatever, I'm not. I don't want to be in a position where we have to make calculated business decisions. Gotcha. My life has been a series of horrible business decisions <laughs> done in the name of like LL Cool J. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, I just do stuff because when I was a kid, I just wanted to do all this stuff, and now yeah. I'm like grown and I, I have a little bit of money, so I can do all this dumb stuff. Yeah, you know. Gotcha. Yeah, Thez, didn't they record that out west? Did, weren't didn't didn't wasn't a lot of work done like um for the Daylight shit uh, in L.A. like the, yeah. like the the band members and whatnot? Did you were you privy to any of that when it was going down? Yeah. Um, actually, I think I, through one degree of separation, no studio guys who were working on that session. Oh, you do? Um, okay. All right. Is but, that- you know, it's not like I know anyone, like no one was calling like, yo, that's like, I mean, if anything, we're, we're such a blip on the, on the hist. Like, you know, when people do those Instagram posts and like, I love hip hop. It's like a heart and it has everyone's names. Like we're never in the heart, you know, <laughs> like, we're not- <laughs> like quest loves never like, Hey man, have you heard people want to say like, no, right. like, we don't come up in any of those conversations <laughs> anyway. So it's just funny to me. I'm just a casual observer. But at oh, the same man. time, me and double K can sit and talk your ear off about ridiculous independent rap records from the 80s and 90s that no one cares about you know oh, what i mean yeah. oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it's Absolutely. really it's who we are we just we just don't always and maybe rightfully so get included in that in that lineup of yeah. like oh did you did anyone you know because i know dudes were like yeah man Maceo's chilling over here i'm like oh that's dope man i'm a fan you know yeah. right right yeah Absolutely. I wasn't like tell Maceo that's so he wouldn't be I don't I don't even imagine Maceo would Maceo be like, who? Who who's that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. This is great. That's great. Yep. So Thez, um so so in in regards to the uh bringing it back around to the album, so so the, the second part just came out. Is it the third part's gonna be out when? Like towards the end of summer, the fall, or what's the what's Yeah, the I think in that? the fall. We got a couple of um festivals that were playing in the fall, so we might um we might hopefully get it done in time for that, but it's, it's exhausting to make these records. And, um, this one was particularly 
This one was particularly difficult because when we were getting ready to sit down and actually start working on it, there was a bunch of shit that happened. Um, I won't get too deep into it because it's, you know, uh, not really my story to tell, but there was, you know, there was a brush, a lot of brushes with like mortality and, um, okay. it's really kind of trippy cause you just, you just kind of have this feeling you're invincible for your whole life until you're, until you're almost dead. Mm-hmm. And then yep. you think, Oh damn, you know, I'll, given a second chance here. Yeah. So the record kind of, I think in part, the record deals with, you know, it's our 10th record. We've been doing this so, so forever. And, and it kind of, the record asks questions like how long can this go on and mm, kind of right. laughs at the fact that we're still here. And then, you know, and we made fun of Kanye on it and you know, whatever, <laughs> dude, like, yeah, just, just having fun. But it was a heavy record. It was, it was heavy to make. And then, and then to finish it. And I felt, really personally, like as the guy mixing it and kind of editing it and stuff, like I felt a real heavy, um, like obligation to get it right. Right. And, and the crazy thing is like, I knew it was going to be free anyways, but I still stayed up like two weeks just remixing everything. Cause I was just yeah, like, it's not right. Lot. It doesn't feel yeah. right yet. It doesn't have right. that, that weight, you yeah, know, right. it wasn't like, Oh, it's free. Let's just put it out. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. Right. That yeah. says a lot. Yeah, man. So, you know, uh, I, the, the next one will come out in the fall if we can get around to doing it. But it was it was exhausting just finishing this one. And, you know, it's kind of overwhelming just just getting through. And plus, man, you're looking back on like 10 records now and it's like, damn, where, where do we even go at this point? You yeah. Know? What, what's left to be said? Right. Seriously, man. Yeah. And, and it's been really difficult because we don't I don't feel like Double K and I have anyone in the industry to look up to and go, well, they did it when they got to their 10th record, they did it right. And they did this and this and this, like, there's no one that I can name, especially of people that I looked up to. Like maybe I would have thought it would have been tribe or would have been gangstar, but right. P rock and seal smooth. It, all this stuff just kind of faded. Yeah. And, yeah. and there was really no one to look to and say, well, when they got to their ninth album, they did this, but now their 10th record, yeah, you're you know? right about that. Yeah. It's really it's, interesting to get to, uh, I guess the age that we're all at. I mean, you're, 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 um, I'm guessing you're talking to some folks that are around the same age as you are, Thez, maybe a little older. Um, but uh, it's really interesting to talk to uh, folks that are our age and look at the music that they're turning out now mm-hmm. and the experiences that impact it. And, you know, not for nothing, man, but the shit, the music keeps getting better. That's what mm-hmm. I love about it. Like, I'm sure it's agonizing and it, it was, you know, it, it was a tough process for you, for example, for this record. But what's great about it is like the music keeps getting better. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's, well, thanks, that's, 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 that's kind of what I love about it. Right. Whether, <laughs> whether it's you guys or whether it's, you know, you know, some of the homies here in Atlanta right. or, you know, wh- whoever it may be, um, you know, people still do have, you know, even at this age, you know, 40 plus right. have shit to say, yeah. can make good music and can, can, you know, continue to improve. So it's, it's new ground for sure, because I think for a long time in hip hop, the idea of getting older in hip hop meant growing up. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was like you had to somehow mature, which basically meant that like, it's like common going from can I borrow a dollar to resurrection to like gap commercials and like backup bands. Right. Like there was no, there was no pathway yeah. to like get Oscar older, Wars. but still right. loop beats and do what you were doing earlier, but rap about mature shit. Like it was right. like, Oh, you, you're older now. You need to get some gap clothes and a band. 
Yes, that's very true. You need to start true. lifting weights. Or like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, you look yeah. at all these older rappers that we were looking at, and it was like, that, I was like, dude, that's the path. Like, either either I'm a millionaire yeah. by my fifth record, or I'm some sort of failure if yeah. I just maintain my level of fans, you know? Right, right, right. And I'm, yeah. I'm acting, I'm doing talk shows, I got a right. syndicated radio show, a cookbook. Uh, <laughs> oven mix exactly you know I mean and it's not it's not just common you know what I mean nah, you, you nah. can look at everyone from like Outkast like yeah. there's a lot of groups where if they didn't have that arc of success where like I won't say they turned their back on their fans but they definitely shined it up a little bit mm -hmm. and grew up you know it was no more 40s and beats it was all about like I don't know what anymore but then but then somehow <laughs> that that was the path that we should all take or else, yeah. we're, or else we're I don't know yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. no, this absolutely. This is youth culture. Yeah. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, it, it goes back. I, I still kind of stand by the saying is that, you know, um, you know, a motherfucker can go to an open mic and be 65 years old and play a guitar. You know, I can still have my turntables and go digging and make beats and do whatever the fuck I want. I, I can make hip hop records when I'm fucking 65. I don't give a fuck. Man. Yeah, why not? You know, so. And as Thez, long as you're having fun. Thez, real quick, is is would you say part of your growing up comes from um look just looking at some of the extensive work you've done in, in television, um, with your beats being on various shows, Rob, uh Ron's house, Rob and Big, Entourage and things like that. Do you consider that uh part of your grown up phase? Maybe. But I think with that stuff I think okay, that's a great question. And I and I think that when you're when those opportunities come up mm -hmm. you're given a choice because we had these discussions about like well if you guys if you could just make some stuff that was less sample heavy mm. right then we could place your music more and you could do this this and this okay and so there's there's definitely like a, a moral dilemma like a spiritual hip-hop dilemma you go through where you're like okay I'm a crook. I'm a thief that's what I do <laughs> I break the law I steal people's music I loop it I cut it up and I make something new out of it because I'm a b-boy, I'm a hip-hop head, and that's that destruction, that breaking of the law, that's what we do. Mm -hmm. That's the central tenet to what we do in this, in, in my mind, whether it's getting up on trains, on walls. The second a graph writer stops using a can on a, on a private property is the second he becomes just an artist in a gallery. Right. You right, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So I'm sure there's a lot of graph writers who have the same thing where they're like, look, man, if you could just stop risking getting arrested and going all city if you could just start doing canvases we can put them in our gallery and you can make $150,000 a year you'll never even risk getting arrested mm -hmm. and yeah. it's ridiculous that all of us are probably like all of us b-boys are probably not nah, fuck that you know what I'm saying it changes who I am and mm -hmm. that's not who I am I'm not I'm not a dude who makes television music I'm a dude who makes hip-hop and some right. television dudes wanted to use it so I had to make that very clear that I appreciate the offer, and yes, you can use this one and the next one, but mm -hmm. I'm not going to turn around and start catering to your needs. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like I'm not going to let you suck the soul out of what I do. Like yeah. This is what I do. If you want it, great. If you don't, cool. Go get somebody else's. Yep, I got yeah, you. That's a good point. Yeah, there's, plenty yeah. of people, there's plenty of people out there that sit in cubicles and make shitty beats that mm -hmm. you hear in the background of like Bravo TV shows. Right. And those those <laughs> dudes have no skin in the game. They make whatever they, people tell them to make. And and that's fine, man. That's a, that's a nine to five for those dudes. But I like to get out there and, you know, find a record, you know, that feeling, you know, of, of breaking a new record. Like that was. Yeah, Absolutely. 
you know, like that's it. That's everything to me. That's like me hearing like, you know, run DMC cut up Bob James. Like I was like, what is, what the, you know, what <laughs> yeah, is that? Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of, you still digging much these days, Daz, or no? Uh, yeah. I mean, I went, I went super hard, uh, for a long time. And then I kind of, eBay kind of killed it and pop psych and all this sort of stuff. And, and the records and started becoming shit. like so expensive that I couldn't even justify buying them. And I'm like, wait, why am I even buying this record anymore? It's like 800 bucks, you know? Right. Right. At one point in the game, I thought that sampling rare stuff was an, was a, was one of the ways that we could get around getting sued. But it turns out that the the funnest lawsuits, the best lawsuits come from the dude who never had any success, made like one private press record, (laughs) found out about you on the internet. And now he thinks, cause you're a quote unquote rapper that you owe him like, Two million dollars, right? Off the rip, two million. The, the dudes that never sue are like the guy, or like the bands that were signed to like RCA that have no idea who owns their masters, and RCA ain't listening to people instead. <laughs> like that's who you never get sued by. Yeah. So I stopped buying those thousand dollar private records that some dude made because I don't want that dude knocking on my door like, "Fam, you sampled my drum break," you know. <laughs> and I know it was you. Stop playing, man. Yeah, Cut and I'm like, check. I don't know, and he's like, "No, nah, <laughs> definitely." I mean, that's... we had we. Once you've dealt with that, then it's kind of like, okay, oh, I'm not going to stop sampling, but I'm definitely going to stop sampling you dudes. <laughs> yeah, dudes right. Like. right. That, that kind of takes some of the pressure off then. You can just, you know, dollar bin surf and, you know, sample whoever the fuck at that point, right? Well, Who cares? I mean, I think, again, like everything, I think that there's certain things that are central to what we do in ideology, right? Like I was talking about breaking the law, but then there's yeah. other stuff that I, I believe that can evolve with the times. And my evolution as a beat digger and as a producer, I evolved out of just the jazz stuff that sounded a certain way. Right. Like, yeah, it's the easy way out. Everyone hears it and goes, ooh, it's an underground hip hop song. Like I hear the saxophone and I hear the vibes and <laughs> yeah, man. But <laughs> what happens if I sample, like what happens if we sample like, you know, I don't know, like a, a high school record or like whatever, like other stuff. Yeah. I wanted that challenge. You know what I mean? I wanted to, to try and evolve the art form of what we did and just stop make, doing the same thing. Because honestly, man, if I want to hear a dope jazz sample based right, I'll listen to Tribes, Midnight Marauders, or Low End Theory, and it doesn't get much better than that to it me. It really does not. Like, Absolutely. I'm not going to rewrite that book. I can't touch that. That is just, that's the pinnacle right there. So what do you sample? You got to find... In my mind, I had to find like new stuff. So every record we were trying to to forge new paths, sample new types of music, and make it hip hop. And now you can just you can f- sample anything, man. And I don't hate on a dude like even us on our records. We comb through crazy stuff in the corners of the internet that mm, right. may not have ever been on vinyl, but it's like you can find these music in the background of a weird video on YouTube that's like six views. Sample it. Who right, cares? Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I, I like, I love it, man. I mean, I, uh, all the rules are completely out the, completely out the window right now. I mean, the, the only, the only real issue I kind of have with all of it is that, you know, there just aren't enough folks that kind of go back and do the science and do the history. But I mean, that's maybe that's just old man talk. And, you know, I wish people would go back and do a little bit more work and, you know, kind of, you know, realize where some of this came from, but there's definitely the no old more dudes, rules. The old dudes, I agree. The old dudes, they blew it. They ruined it for us, man. Yeah. And I'm a, yeah. I'll tell you in numerous ways. Way number one is when we were coming up, I got nothing but shitted on by like old right. school producers from the East Coast. Right. Like yeah. they weren't at all trying to be 
open to newer dudes coming up. So that was number one thing they did. Number two thing they did was those dudes never evolved and kept dropping turd after turd after turd in the 2000s. And, yo, I'm not going to name names, but there are some East Coast reputable producers who dropped nothing but turds in the 2000s. And they ruined the legacy of that style of music by being salty, by being mad at the fans, by trying to sound like I don't know what, and not even sampling anymore, you know what I mean? And it's, it's no one wanted to go back to that. Everyone was like, damn, man, maybe we should just like let y'all, that's how like I think you know, low-end theory and all this other stuff evolved because people were over dealing with that attitude and that style of music anymore. Like a lot of those New York producers, they now they cry about, oh, we got to bring New York back, bring New York back. But they, they're the reason that like New York kind of slid a little bit That's in the crazy. first place. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, Man, yeah. I feel like I'm talking to my long lost blood relative <laughs> tonight man because i just you just you just put an image on my in my head of when i was in my five man crew and us telling uh easy lee that you know we had planned on getting a record deal and all this and we was going to shop our demo he was like word and just broke just broke out laughing i'm talking about a gut laugh at us dead <laughs> in our face and I was like, this motherfucker is crazy, man. How you just going to laugh at me like that? But that's that's exactly what you just got through talking about, that whole yeah. attitude. Like, and, you know, I and I knew what it was. It was like he was he was New York, um, came up with Kumo D and all that, did his thing, a, a, a pioneer legend of some sort. I get that. But here we are trying to keep what you brought to the table, fresh, right. new, alive, or whatever, and y'all want to laugh at motherfuckers. This yeah. shit, you know, this shit ain't yeah. fun and games with us. Okay, yeah. cool. I'm from Memphis. And we trying to achieve this here in the metro Atlanta area in the early 90s or whatever. I get that. But it's the same thing. We cut we cut from the same cloth. You don't have to degrade us like that. Right. You know what I'm saying? At right. least just give us some heads up. Tell us what that's to look exactly, out for. You know, that's it. That's yeah. it right there, man. Yeah. That's exactly it right there. And then don't get me started on the whole Bambada thing, man. Oh man, you know we, what I'm saying? We had we got Come some on. heat last week on the Bambada thing. You can you can go there. What what's 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 your thoughts? What's your feelings on the Bambada thing? I want to get you started on the whole Bambada. I thing. mean, again, I mean the whole shit is horrifying. First of all, mm-hmm. second of all, I'll tell you what's worse. And real talk, when we were on tour in Europe in the 2000s. We would hear it from from drivers, tour drivers, promoters. Everyone knew. Now, Whoa. people telling me this on tour, I'm just like, man, that's a messed up rumor. Like, cause mm-hmm. who, I mean, you know what I mean? And that's not something that I would, and I think a lot of people heard it, but no one's going to come home and be like, yo, you know what I heard in Europe from a tour, a bus driver, blah, blah, blah. So good on everyone for not perpetuating that rumor. Right. But the fact of the matter is all these old school dudes, the same dudes that were shitting on people like you and me when we were trying to come up and try and do our little hip-hop thing, and they were trying to keep the, the gate shut, mm-hmm. those are the same dudes who were protecting a child molester. Because someone had to know something. Wow. I mean, if it was out there like that, and, and, and you are who you say you are as, as this leader of this you know, particular you know, culture, um, yeah, man, I can only imagine. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one thing, and not not to not to belittle or say that this is uh, any any less, but it's you know it's one thing when you're you know you're on the road or you know I'm at work and on the road and you know guys that are fucking around on their wives and you know d- doing shit like that. But 
This right here is a completely different story. Completely different. That's really unfortunate, man. I, I actually almost kind of wish I didn't. You didn't tell me that story, this because that well, is crazy. I mean, that, that was that, we to, made a joke out of it, right? Like, right. Between me and Double K, we were just it was we kind of just laughed it off, like because it seemed so implausible that mm. that was actually true, right? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like right. the, the dude who everyone attributes to being the godfather of this in some ways, right? And and he, and so you know, Double called me and he's like, he's like, man, he's like. I don't even want to be part of this anymore. He's like, we should just call ourselves like That's a rock crazy. band from now on. I was like, fam, I'm down. Cause it doesn't change who I am or what I do, right. but my allegiance to this network of people and this quote unquote culture. And I mean, think about it, man. Why is it even a culture? Because think about this. This is the thing that trips me out that I think about when I'm laying in bed at night is before bam and all this stuff, there was disco rappers who were just making like rap music. Like they were just making music. Yeah. They were just, you know, it was tuxedos and palms and they were just, you know, I've heard the bad, and they were just happy making music. But there was a point where bam, or someone was like, Hey, look at all these kids are into this. We can, we can unify all this stuff, get all these kids in these youth centers all together, bunch of kids, and mostly dudes, you know what I mean? Like hip hop, this wasn't by accident. And to find out that the reason it ended up the way it was was because it was satisfying someone's urges. Like the reason it was predominantly dudes, Puerto Rican dudes, black dudes from fucked up families, to find out that it might be that because they were easier to prey on, wow. that just takes, that takes, that just destroys this whole culture. Yeah. I mean, that's what, that, that's a great point. And that's actually what Methuselah was saying mm-hmm. a, a little bit. It wasn't this ext- extensive. So, so Thez, we had the, um, the former, uh, program director for the Atlanta chapter of the Zulu nation on last week. And he, okay. he basically made a, a similar point mm-hmm. in that, um, you know, it, it wasn't that deep meeks. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm getting, nah, I'm fucking it, it kind of went, it kind of went into, um, Kind of like what you what you were talking about, there's um the the guys that came up with him, you know, uh, pr- protecting him and right, um, you know, trying to you know defuse any any of the rumors uh, of them being true or anything like that. It was kind of went back to what what Methuselah was talking about, KRS One, and what right. Shan said about Chris probably got touched up by Bambada because it was around the time right. that, that Chris was in them shelters and all that stuff. So, right. you know, right. yeah, so. Right. Mm. That's ill, man. Wow. wow. Holy shit. You, yeah, that's. You know, like, yeah, like when you start thinking about the blueprint mm. for this whole culture mm. was set up to bring in people, oh, wow. to bring in young men, <laughs> right? Oh, like this was set up to capitalize on these other on breakdancing and graffiti artists and, and kids in shelters and stuff to think that this culture that we kind of grew up unknowingly loving and wanting to be a part of was, was really just by plan set up in a way to, to give someone steady access to people from families that, you know what I'm saying? Like that's horrifying to me. Uh, that's really? So that's how long did it take you guys to put that together? Is that something that like popped into your brain immediately once you guys heard the news or, or, or like, when did you when did you kind of start to that start to gel for you in your mind? Well, when as soon as the uh, Mike was calling me, he's like, "Yo, he's like, I'm watching this thing on Star right now," and and Mike Double K, he's, he, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, and he's like, he's like, man, this joke might not be a joke, 
Right. And I think once the chips started falling, it, it started becoming pretty obvious what was going on. Mm. And right. then all the rumors you have heard, then you, you go back and you're like, yo, they told me, you know, this, that, whatever. And now you're like, because it's hard to get a rumor like that. You know what I'm saying? Like, Absolutely. You know, it's easy to get a rumor like, oh, yo, he's a pothead. We're like, how do you know? Well, you know, dude was smoking weed here and here and here and here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, he's a pothead. But it's a lot harder to get a rumor as like a, as a sex predator. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you got to work to get that rumor about you. Right, right, right. You right, know what I mean? You right. have to be yeah, active yeah. about it. Absolutely. And and so, yeah. I mean, man, I mean, it, it just came crashing down, and, and we were horrified. Really, I, I, there's no other way I can put it. I feel like... I've devoted a large portion of my life to studying that history to, I mean, man, we had Greg nice take us around the Bronx and show us all these sites. Like Greg, please take us through the Bronx. Like it was like a Mecca. It was like a Holy, right. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like yeah, it was like our way. spiritual, yeah. like yeah. visit to the motherland. Yep. And, and then I'm going to these youth shelters like, Oh man, this is where they shot this and blah, blah. And then, and then to realize that there was a subtext to all this that it, it just kind of like, it just ripped my whole life apart. Really, so to be honest with you, whether it's true or not at this point, it doesn't matter. Right. Right. So, Thez, is that why you got, you, you kind of feel like you might be at an impasse with this third, um, this third part of the album, maybe? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> all right. I don't know, man. I mean, you know, it's, it's that combined with the fact that we've had to change the entire format where we're like, you know, we went from selling records on CD and LP and now we're giving music away. Right. And that's great. But it's like, there's so much stuff happening that for the Bambada thing to break amidst all of this, amidst right, right. the culture kind of like going through real hard times, it makes it, it makes it really difficult for me to see a way forward out of this. You know I mean? Granted, we're all going to keep making hip hop and whatever. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I'm not implying that. I'm just saying that yeah. the, the, the the timing is not um the ideal. timing isn't ideal, right? Um given it's 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 been tough for you guys to get this, you know, the, this this last part of the record out and um, it's a bummer. You know, it's yeah, a bummer and yeah. I, part of me feels like the the last part of the record needs to just be a celebration. Uh, up tempo right. and just really like really kind of like go back to that vibe like whatever music genre or culture you associate it with, there's definitely a feeling that all of us in this in this group of people who love this music, we've had that feeling. I want to try and get that feeling into the music, and, and just get away from all this the politics and the news and this all this horrible stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there, it can happen. I mean, look, dude, I'll put it to you like this: I don't think hip hop would even be in the position it is now, at this very moment as we sit here, if Kendrick hadn't come out. Okay. If Kendrick hadn't dropped and come out, and again, Kendrick's a dude who was doing mixtapes here locally, and everyone was kind of, I'm sure people on the East Coast were shitting on him, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, no one cared about lyrics in the young generation. Right. Rapping was all but dead. When I say rapping, I mean Rakim rapping. Right. Was yeah. dead for the kids. Yeah. And then Kendrick came out, and now you got all these young 15, 16-year-old Kids were spitting. Girls, boys, they're all yeah. focused on lyricism all of a sudden. And it's it's because of Kendrick. It's not because of New York or anyone. It's mm-hmm. it's because of Kendrick. That I, that I was gonna ask you, what's the what's the vibe out in, in LA right now? What is what what is bubbling right now out in LA? Man, I mean it's there's it oh man. It's it's hard. It's hard because 
you know, Mike's Double K's got a brother who's in a group, and they they're definitely, I think, part of like the vanguard of the younger generation who grew up around that Kendrick and all that sort of stuff. And I mean, Mike's brother, like, so his crew's called Villain Park, and they're super dope. All the dudes in Villain Park have done the math; they've studied all these albums. I mean, I remember Isaiah, his brother, he used to sit around, and he'd be like, "Yo." Des, have you heard the Souls of Mischief? Right, like he's he went back and listened to everything. Mm-hmm. So it comes from a gen, and he was like sixteen, and it came from a genuine position. So that's amazing to know that there's kids out here who are really going back and refining this music on YouTube and other right. places and reliving this, bringing it back. They won't let it die. But what's bad is that these kids are getting shot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the violence is ridiculous, and it was a hell of a lot easier out in L.A in the eighties when the gangsters dressed like in khakis and bandanas and like the caricature of a gangster was mm-hmm. easier to navigate it. Now dudes are getting shot dressed like skaters, you know, mm, right. it's, it's senseless. Everything is so senseless. Now that's the vibe I get. I just don't, I don't know why things even happen at this point. Wow. And it's scary cause I'm a father now and I, I try mm-hmm. to navigate my kids away from that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't want them to be soft. But I don't want him to get shot. Right. You know what I'm saying? I don't. Right. Yeah. I look back at my childhood and double K shot, and I go, man. At any given point, something went a little different. We wouldn't even be around right now. Mm-hmm. So, right. when you're a parent, it puts that all into perspective. And then I'm like, man, listening to rap music, like, man, what the hell is even going? On? I don't know what's going on. That's right. crazy. That's crazy. <laughs> right. It's crazy. <laughs> but I don't think it's. I don't think it's just LA. I think it's happening everywhere. You yeah, know, this I is think, true. Obviously, in Chicago is happening in the south. There's mm-hmm. a certain senselessness to it all where, yeah, man, it sucked when we were growing up and the homie who banged got in a scuffle or whatever. But now it's like you hear more stories about like some kid at a bus stop trying to get to a music studio yep. and getting shot because yep. he looked right. like, you know, somebody else. Yeah. Right. Or just getting just getting murked, just getting picked out of a crowd at a graduation party right now and just getting yeah blown away. <sighs> Crazy. So it's it's just a it's a certain type of um of senselessness, you know, mm-hmm. and and I don't I don't it you know I don't know how music can soothe that where it might have at one point in time. Uh, if anything, you know, like I don't even feel like the music's ratcheting it up or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I don't think people can point at rap music anymore. Like they can't point at anything. They're just like I don't know why everyone's getting yeah. Shot. It just <laughs> appears to be a sign of the times. That's for sure. Yeah, it's definitely a shift from a societal kind of society standpoint. Absolutely, mm-hmm. social media. And we don't we don't have like positive. It's not like there's not like an alternative. Two Chains is on the Dayla album, but Two Chains <laughs> is going to turn around and drop a bonehead song probably the next day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so it makes me wonder. It's like, damn, are we celebrating him? This? What is it? Like, I'm not really a huge fan of the whole drug trap thing like that's not my thing like yeah. i said i'm a parent i'm not into that and if i was trapping i wouldn't make music rapping about it so yeah. dumb yeah. shit of them yeah so so what so know, what, what do you like right now thes whether it's whether it's from la or, or anywhere else what, what are you fucking with right now i mean i try to listen to damn near everything that comes out I mean, that's the good thing about having a streaming account. Like I have like my, it, first it was Mog and then it was Beats and now it's yeah. iTunes radio. Yeah. But I, I try to stay open-minded and listen to every rap record. When rap records come out, I listen to them because I, I want to hear people's experience. I want to know what's going on, you know? And every once in a while I hear something that's really dope that I didn't expect to be dope. 
like um like I really like the Royce the Five Nine album that just came out. Oh yeah, Layers. Yeah. Yeah. Because I felt like I got a really good sense for Royce as like a human being, like as a character. And it wasn't like Royce with a certain producer or whatever. It was just like Royce like doing him and he was killing it, you know? Right. Um and then there's like good underground rap stuff that, that comes across my radar, whether it be a villain park there's some other kids out here in LA like Revolutionary Rhythm. There's other crews that are doing stuff out here that are super dope. Um, that's inspiring to me. But then, you know, like I also like to listen to like the Radiohead album and just kind of like look out the window and pretend I'm in a movie, you know? Right. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Soft, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's funny. Hey, so- Thaz, with, uh, with 21 plus tours under your belt, uh, world tours, I might add. What's um, what's what's the uh, the traveling situation looking like for you guys? Well, we've toned it back a lot mm-hmm. now, just because to take care of business around around the house, yeah. the family, and all that. But um, we're going we're going we're going to go to the East Coast um towards the end of the summer. We still we go here and there, but it's not like at one point in time we were doing four or five six months away from home mm-hmm. touring, and it takes years off your life. Like just the, 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 the fatigue, the stress, mm-hmm. the traveling, it's crazy, man. And I mean, we were, we, when we started that run, we went on our first world tour in 99 and we were on tour. We came home the day before nine 11 and everything changed mm. in terms of touring and traveling after right. 9/11. being able to get around. Yeah. Yeah. Just, just getting on a plane, carrying turntable or like carrying vinyl on a plane and like, people not thinking it's some sort of plastic explosive mm. or whatever. So it's a trip, man. And like, I don't think that we feel necessary. Like if we, if we get a good offer to go somewhere, then we're definitely down, but I sure shit. I'm not going to go maroon myself in Germany for 40 dates. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I got super burnt out doing Europe in particular, because I started to feel like there was a real disconnect between a genuine appreciation for people on the stairs and me and double K and American rappers in my town with an American flag next to our name. Mm. Like, I don't want to be entertainment. I'm not here to entertain you. Like if I'll fuck with you, if you're my fan, I'll perform for you and we'll jam. Mm-hmm. But I'm not like a, I'm not a dude who gets up at like a bar to entertain people. You know what I'm saying? But gotcha. they do that to American acts in Europe. Sometimes like sometimes huh. they're just like, want to see the American rappers. Hmm. Interesting. interesting. That is yeah, interesting. I, no, I I don't think I got that yeah. story yet. Yeah, yeah, I haven't either. Yeah. So so um, you know, it, it exists, and then and then you do these nights, night after night. It's just basically like you're just up there like doing your American rap songs, and if you don't sound like what they expect it to sound like, mm-hmm. they're like kind of like, damn, I thought this was gonna be more like Wu Tang. Is is there a level of, of disrespect involved? Um, would you say? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I mean it's it's it can be it can be very much like a like a look at the guys look at the American guys on stage doing the hip hop. Hmm. Interesting. That I... shit is that's the kind of shit that weighs on your soul. The money is fine, but if you do you're oh I'm in Belgium tonight in Antwerp or whatever, and then I'm here and here and here. If you come home then and play New York City or you play Atlanta, it's a it might be for like ten times less money, but the but but the energy you get from the crowd that's genuine. That keeps you alive. That energy. keeps us going. Yeah, huh. gotcha. 
But I don't get that when I'm on stage in another country over there usually. I mean, I'm just being honest. I'm not dissing the fans over there, but like real talk, I don't like getting up there and being like the fucking dancing clown for y'all. Wow. Wow. That's interesting. Well, I don't know, man. You show up for a show here in Atlanta, there might be fucking three people there, but <laughs> that's how the show's going. They're going to they gonna rock out with you, though. They're going to rock, they're gonna rock with you. All three of them. <laughs> you know what, man? As, if, the, if, if that's what it is, and those three people came to jam, and those people share the same musical, like, like when I when I reference Busy B, or if I reference, they know what I'm talking about, and they're yeah. like, ah, yeah, you know? Yes, that's why I'm here. I'm here to to be a part of this dialogue of music. I'm I'm not up there so that you can look at my chain and my t-shirt and my sneakers. Yeah. And hear some bass, you know what I'm saying? I'm right. not yeah. here to entertain you. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah. Des, did y'all have a good time in Atlanta last year when you were here? I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. I love okay. Atlanta, man. I really do. I don't really like the traffic though. Oh. Sometimes we get stuck. Yeah, I was in that today, and it's uh, it never gets it never gets old, man. It's just you know the other the other thing too, and I love I love the southern way of life because it reminds me what a West Coast like kind of coastal like stereotype I am. Mm-hmm. Like every time I'm in the airport, I'm like really rushing, and people aren't rushing, and I'm like. Can y'all just hurry the fuck up, please, somebody? <laughs> like, I'll go and get, like, a bagel in the airport, and they're taking their time, like, yeah. toasting. They're doing a nice job. They're making me a nice bagel. <laughs> and I'm from L.A. I'm not used to I don't want a nice bagel. I want you to throw that shit at me. I got to go. Quick as hell, right? Yeah, you would blow a gasket down here, man. You you, you couldn't handle uh, trying to understand why I'm still sitting still at a green light. You, I, It sounds like you wouldn't be able to really handle that. I would be yelling across the dashboard at you. I would be honking. We, yeah, we are it. not laid back in L.A. Nah, like, not at, at all. all. Not at all. What, what brought you guys to Atlanta last year? That was, was, it, was it kind of a random thing? Or I can't remember a Red Bull thing or what was it? I think it was um, there was a there was a showcase red there was something and we were coming from the east coast and so they were like hey if you guys want to just pop down and do this um you can jump on and oh i know why because it, it, they were it was a five dollar ticket and that's a big that's a big thing to me like i'm really i've definitely become more like cautious with ticket prices i don't want what we do to exclude the dude who can't afford i mean that's why the record's free and the first time that we encountered this was when we went to Africa and we were on tour down there in Soweto and um, talking to the dudes and whatever. And he's like, yeah, man, he's like a lot of rappers come down here, but no one can afford to go to the shows. Mm-hmm. The only people who can afford to go to see the rappers show are like the old, like rich, like white families. Oh, and I wow. was like, Yo, mm-hmm. something's wrong yeah. when you get top quality rappers going to Africa. But then the kids that live in like Johannesburg, like they can't afford to go see the show. Mm. We need to make sure that our ticket prices never exclude the people who can most take something away from this show. Got you. Mm. It makes perfect sense. So I'm when they said five dollar ticket, I was in, I'm in. You know, that's dope, man. We had a good time. I wasn't able to make the show. I think I was out of town. Good show. Yeah, it was it was crazy. Um, but uh, DJ Hurricane showed up, which was dope. 
Ah. And uh, him, him and Double K are like long lost twins. When you see them together, they look like the same person. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. I never nice. thought about that. <laughs> that You're either. right. You're right. <laughs> yeah, we saw. Uh, I actually saw. Uh, I saw Hurricane and uh, and Diamond D actually uh, play last week at the Music Room here in Atlanta. That was kind of cool to see. So that's still that? man. Yeah, it was good. It was good. You know, it's um, you know, uh, it's uh, Atlanta can uh, be an interesting place. You know, if, if it was if it was probably New York or L.A., you know, that shit would have probably been jamming. Um, you know, uh, this particular night it was kind of laid back. So you know, right. you, you never know what you're gonna get. You know, and the, the thing is too is that. Um, for whatever reason, uh, folks, you know, you're talking about wanting to be entertained. This is kind of a perfect example of that. Like, like when diamond brings out the 45s and, you know, does that shit that he always do. He does. People seem to come out for that more. So, uh, this, this is just kind of like, uh, you can go to the club and hear diamond D and hurricane spin. It was kind of one of those things, just kind of, kind of laid back. And I don't think as many people, you know, came out and made an effort to get out but you know it's it's always dumb i mean you know you you got two legends up there you know uh i was i was geeking out right so right uh, i mean that's the thing too like you got we're old dudes right so all of us like if someone dope comes through la i mean i got kids i'm like they'll be like hey man you want to go see so-and-so plan i'm I'm usually like yeah I don't know (laughs) i got this beer and you know i'm gonna work on a beat or something yeah the people who go to the shows are like the 16, 18, 21-year-old. They're the kids who can't afford the expensive ticket. They're the kids yeah. who need to go to an under-21 show. Those are the kids. That was me. I went to every show when I was like 17. So yeah. I think what has happened in part is a lot of the older performers, they forget about that. Or they lose sight of that, and they forget to transition themselves to those kids, to reintroduce themselves in, in ways right. that, that can pick them up again. You know, And I, I, I credit souls of mischief for opening my eyes to that because i saw them re kind of reinvent the brand again like oh, with a different generation when they did like the third eye blind stuff and whatever i was like oh damn these dudes are back and they're bringing it back and like younger kids are coming into this you know mm-hmm. right. not their original fans from 93 to infinity it's like a whole new generation of fans that right. they picked up right and that's hugely important is is to make your old fans happy but the, but to fill a show even us here, man, when we when we do a show in L.A. or New York, if it's sold out, it's sold out with people who may have just heard our, our last album. Sure as shit didn't buy our first album. Mm, right. They weren't around for it. Yeah, you know, totally. those people are too old to come out. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Too old to come out. Too old to come out. That, that pretty much sounds <laughs> like our life. too old to go out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, Me- Meeks and I have that conversation at least once a week. Like, yeah, hey, you know, somebody's in town. Or, oh, yeah. this shit's going on. Uh, what time's it start? Uh, I don't know, man. I just got this new bottle of bourbon. Man. I think I'm good. No, yeah, no. Oh, yeah, I, I'm going to go out. I, I can't make. Oh, man, I passed out on the couch, yeah. man. Fuck, I'm sorry. I'm sleeping. <laughs> right. I'm, I'm literally sleeping. But you know, it's like a group like, um, like say, like Flatbush Zombies or something. If they come through, yeah. it's going to be ramped. Oh, and yeah. it's going to be like girls and 16-year-old dudes. And it's going to be... and. And all the old dudes are asleep. They're like, I don't even know who they are. I don't care. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> or like Joey Badass. Or like, that's the crazy yeah. thing about that generation. Like, they're young enough. They're still hitting the people who are excited to come out for the yeah. shows. Yeah. And they can tour like that. And, and so for us, man, it's been really important to, to make sure, to try to make sure that we don't alienate that generation. And so, yeah, man, giving music away, doing cheaper shows, making sure your shows are 21 and under. Okay. Like, 
21 and over for a hip-hop show nowadays, that means, like, no one's showing up, you know? Mm, Most of the, right. the the fans who really care that coming out, they're under 21 at this point. That's very, that's a very, very Great good point, actually. Right that's, a, that's a jewel. Hell yeah. Take note, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's the... Uh, Don't take of, note of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shooting from the hip. I probably said a bunch of stuff that's going to get me in trouble. Nah, you whatever. Good, man. Hey, hey Thes, uh, uh, speaking of uh, staying at home and uh, and working on a beat or, you know, you got this beer, uh, tell us a little bit about you getting your uh, your home and garden on. I, I saw an article uh, in the L.A. Times that kind of uh, I guess I guess it was kind of like a pictorial almost of kind of the work you did on uh, the home for you and your family. Can you tell us a little bit about kind of how that went down? That was dope, man. I like seeing that. Yeah, I mean, well, that's some grown man stuff, I guess. You know, exactly. um, I ended up we ended up my wife and I ended up getting a house. And we had babies on the way or whatever. And I grew up, I grew up in a place called the gardens here in Pedro. And, you know, I didn't have grass or yard or like I had my room and then we had the sidewalk and we had like the alley. That's what I had growing up. So I didn't learn how to use tools. I never learned how to do, I was useless as a dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> and when you buy a house, you, you, you realize that like, you kind of gotta, you gotta be like a Tim Taylor dude. You gotta, you have to be a man. You better in like figure the that old shit out. Sense. My wife reminds me of this at least once. You know, and I walked into Home Depot out. the first time I looked around. I was like, what the hell is all this shit? You know? <laughs> yep. And so, but you learned. <laughs> and then I realized that, um, you know, I had a friend who showed me how to build stuff so that we could build a studio in the house. And then I was like, damn, like construction is fun and mm-hmm. it's kind of easy. And I can go into Home Depot. And now here's the trippy thing, man. You can go into Home Depot and for about 300 bucks, you can buy enough tools to build a whole house. Right. You know, this is true. you can buy a five piece set with a bit driver and a drill and a sawzall and, and you get you a miter saw and a nail gun for about 350 bucks. Even if it's like Ryobi stuff yep. and you can frame and build a house for that. You got a crib that. just like that. Right. <laughs> and, and meanwhile, you know, we're all these dudes, we're out here running around smoking pot buying $300 jazz records. Right. We could be building shelters for the homeless with the same, you know what I mean? Could be doing so, some awesome shit, that is for sure. Yeah. It's it, it makes hip-hop just seem so funny, man. You know what I mean? Man. But we wasted so much, like, uh, man hours um, chopping up old old music. But still, you know, it's dope. But the thing is, so I, I had to divert some of my time to learning that, and then I realized how much I enjoyed it, so... It was just it was just something for me to get into, and I really I really like making stuff. I like making vinyl. I like making equipment. I like building studio. I just like doing stuff. You know, I like to roll my yeah. sleeves up. Yeah. It's not that far of a know? stretch, right? It's just a different medium. That's yeah, all. Yeah, it's still right? music. Yeah, yeah it's still yeah. music. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely, definitely. It's just being creative, you know. And and so so with that house, we had I had done. I started one room, and I started building shelves and. Then I was. Then next thing I know, I'm building a, a music studio for DJ Day out in Palm Springs and Crazy. building record oh, shelves shit. for collectors. And oh, so, I was just into it, you know. Are you still doing that, Thaz, or no? Ah, uh, yeah, a little bit, man. I, I'm I'm building stuff here and there, you know. But okay, I don't know. Hey, yeah, I got my tools. I got my tool belt. I still put it on, you know. I All like right. to. I have a son, you know, so I want him to. I want him to have. A, a father figure type person that I really didn't know. 
So right. I want to teach him how to use a drill and how to like build a table and, and just kind of cool shit like that. Like, yeah. I think one of the reasons why people look down on our generation, the older people, everyone, they look, you know, the whole reason Trump is probably in the position he is, is because that generation, those people who get behind him, they look at all of us making our beats and this and that. And they're like, dude, you couldn't even screw in a light bulb, you <laughs> right, know? Right. And to a certain extent, they have a, that doesn't justify supporting Trump. But the older generation looks at us and like, man, you guys are fucking useless. Yeah, I think we were useless. Yeah. yeah, this is true. Yeah. yeah, and we kind of are, man. I know a bunch of dudes who are kind of like, aside from like aspiring to be a rapper or whatever, like they don't do anything. Yeah, and yeah. it's it's sad, man. Like in the '40s, you couldn't get by like that, you know. So oh no, you had 18 jobs, man. That's no, just you know, work around it. You lived to work back then. That was a, well, that was your whole shit. Yeah, and the craziest thing about it now is you can literally learn how to do anything you fucking want now yeah. from your phone. Yeah, man. Anything yeah. you want. Yeah. You can learn. Dude. Yep. Yep. You can put a motor in a it car. Takes one YouTube video and a trip to Home Depot. You and know, you're in and the you're, game. You're good to go. <laughs> Yo, man, you know how much money I've saved on a, any number of repairs? Meeks, I know you're in that same oh, yeah, boat, I too, man. Holy shit, man. shit, man. Yeah, I love YouTube. Absolutely. <laughs> they, they, put, they put you right where you want to be, man. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Meeks, what else you got, yeah. man? Man, I just want to know about um some of the custom gear. Uh, as a part of, of you acquiring that skill, like what's the most custom thing you you ever did? Um, I mean, I designed and built a recording console, which was like that was definitely like the pinnacle. But you know, oh, I I I appreciate the gear. Like I like it's beautiful. I like to look at, touch it. Like I'm sitting here in the studio right now, looking at APIs and Pultex and all this beautiful vintage gear. But the irony is, is that anyone, any young producer who comes into my studio, I make sure to remind them and to tell them that this gear is not necessary. Mm. This gear is not the reason why I'm successful. It's not the reason why anyone is better than anyone else. It comes from your mind and your heart. This gear can help you achieve a sound, but computers are getting damn good nowadays. Because I, like, I see it on their face. They see all this and they get bummed out. They're like, oh, man, if I had this and I'll... And, I think it's important that we continue to remind people that, like, yes, I have gear. I like my gear. But the fact of the matter is some of the best shit I've ever heard in hip hop or that I've made or whatever came like straight out the NPC or right. straight out. You yeah, know what I mean? Down. Like, right. It's the, it can be the icing on the cake when done right. It can make them, it can make a midnight Marauders, a midnight Marauders, but For real. it's not necessary. This is hip hop. And like banging on a table and rapping into a cell phone is good enough for me. If it's dope, you know, like, right. Again, it's alienating. I think in part, like the gear stuff, it's it can alienate the younger generation, and I'm real sensitive to that. I don't want this younger cats to ever feel like us older cats who can afford gear or who can afford to go to a show. I don't ever want them to feel like they're not welcome in this, mm. or that they're somehow an outsider because they don't have the gear. You know, right? But I love my gear. I love my design. I love making. I love all the vintage, rare, whatever. I love it. I used to look at it in magazines and think like, God, one day I want to own like a Neve preamp. Mm-hmm. And now I have it and we use it. But again, like I just, I keep have to keep saying, man, like I don't want anyone out there to ever feel like that somehow means a goddamn thing. It's just fucking material possessions, man. It ain't worth shit. Right. 
Now, Thaz, you know? would your um, would your uh, would your twenty one year old self or nineteen year old self uh, be surprised hearing you talk like this, or have you always had that Hell perspective? Yes. Okay, Hell all right, yes. all right, all right. Okay, I right. would. I'd probably beat the shit out of myself right. if I could go back in time. But if I could go back in time and tell myself that, I would have saved myself a lot of time and money and heartache. You know what I mean? Chasing the wrong things off bad advice or off of being told what I thought I needed to do to accomplish what I, you know what I'm saying? Right. Right. This is the, as far as I know right now, this is the truth for me. The truth is it's this gear is dope, but this gear is not necessary. Gotcha. Right. That's a great, that's a great perspective to have. Yeah, man. That's great. That that's just it's scary, man. And, and I, the reason why, and I now in retrospect, the reason why these old producers didn't want to tell me that as a young producer is because they're scared that once the young producer realizes that now they got competition, mm. and these dudes sit around and agonize about being relevant all day long. And the scariest thing to an old musician, an old artist, an old producer is the idea that someone's going to come and they're younger and they're, they got the hotter beats, they have more time to dedicate to it and nothing to lose, you know? So they tell them, oh, man, you know, you got, you got to get in the studio, you got to do this, that. Well, like, when in reality, they don't because the, the, the young producer, he's got it in his head and his heart, you know? Yeah. Yeah, which is funny. because All he there's needs always, is a stage. Yeah, absolutely. There's <laughs> always going to be somebody new. This, yeah, this is and, all, it's all temporary. Whatever level of success you have, whether it's, you know, you know, through the roof and to the moon or mm-hmm. it's, you know, quote unquote average, there's always going to be somebody there to take your spot. Right. That was, that was the, like part of the meaning behind our, our album title, the getting off stage, because we're <laughs> like proverbially getting off stage, but we've also reached the getting off stage. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's dope. But a motherfucker got get, we got to get off stage. Right, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, like, your time's up. Yeah. Get off the damn stage. Get off the stage, man. Damn. <laughs> stage. Oh, nice. man. Nice. All right. Real, real Sometimes quick. you're getting off and you don't even realize it. You're like, yeah, I'm up right. here getting off. And they're like, no, for real, though. You need to get off. <laughs> yeah, you need to get off. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so real quick, before we wrap up, I got, I got two more quick things. One is, um, because he made this interview happen, what, what, what's your guys' relationship with Peter now? You guys are with Peter Augustine, Thez. You've you known yep. Peter for a while. Uh, there, he's handling booking for you now. Is that correct? Long time. Okay. Yeah, we've known him for, for forever. And Peter was a guy that just reached out kind of as a fan to find out more about what we were doing because he was so good at curating like all these types of hip-hop and peter peter's one of those people who has amazing ability to like hear something in somebody or in something before everyone else can hear it you know what i mean mm-hmm. like he saw something in us i don't know what when a lot of people didn't believe in what we were doing back in 98 99 and he wanted to come film us and i'm like okay like <laughs> we can't even get djs in la to play our music but sure right and you know, he did the same thing with Doom, you know, like dude was telling me about MF Doom. I'm like, KMD MF Doom, you know what I mean? Like, right. this was before anyone gave a shit about what Doom has become now, you know right. what I mean? Same thing with Dame Funk and like, oh, there's people, he has the ability to do that. And he's also, he's also just a friend and an amazing dude. And so when given the option to stick by his side when he left the agency and all that, whatever, I mean, it was the, the least we could do was to, to keep that loyalty going and work with a friend, you know? Right. Right. No doubt. That's dope. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, and then the other one I had is I cannot. I don't know if you get this question a lot. I'm sure you do, Thez, but the Price is Right shit was fucking killing me, man. <laughs> I, 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 I need a recap or like some some sort of a level set how that shit happened, man. Because did you see the video, Meeks? I didn't get the chance. Oh man, it's fucking. But classic. I think I think I've seen it before. Like uh, I want to say on World Star or some shit. <laughs> So, Thez, can you give us a snapshot Hopefully of what that was like? Hopefully the only time I ever end up <laughs> Right. <laughs> I, I just want to know what was going through your head, man, because Price is Right. I mean, I, that shit was on the TV every day when I was oh, growing yeah. up, man. I mean, that uh, that is some, you know, that's incredible. Are we are we talking Drew Carey or Bob no, no, Barker? Bob Barker, man. Bob Barker? Bob Barker, man. Bob Barker, oh, dude. shit. That's oh. the real Price is Right right there. Absolutely. <laughs> you, want the, uh, you want the full never... Never before told on on air story, or you want the Cliff Notes version? No, 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 no. Full story, full story. Exactly the story. We're rolling. Go. All right. Full story. Full story. All right. So when I was a kid growing up, latchkey kid, both parents working, struggling in the eighties, the Price Is Right was like every day for me. It was like you said, it was always on. I had to be sitting watching the Price Is Right. That was my shit. I knew all the games. I had my favorite musics. You know, I was like, oh, God, it's the Yodel guy. He's going to yeah. Yodel. He's going to fall off the damn cliff. <laughs> oh, damn, it's Plinko. Bitch, you're putting yeah. in the wrong lane. Like, I'd be yelling at the TV. I knew it. And every time my dad would walk in and see me watching Price is Right, he would get super pissed and turn it off. And I'd be like, yo, Dad, like, why, you, why would you do, you know? And it turns out I found out way, way later on in life that, all right, so my dad was a busboy when he came to America for my mom, who was a waitress. They were da- that's how they met, and they were dating. And they, were, they were up in, um, in Chico, actually Yuba City. Anyways, when they, when they were there, someone got the big idea, like all the waitresses and busboys, they were going to go see The Price is Right, and this was like 76 or 77. <laughs> and so my dad had like a big fro and bell bottoms, and my mom made him this dope-ass shirt, jean shirt, and on the back it said Caesar, and it had like a palm tree and like all just crazy, crazied out. And my dad, like, he's like, he's a bullshitter. So, like, he gets down there and he's in line, he's telling jokes, and he's lighting the whole place up, right, being an entertainer. And the the producers and everything, they walk the line, and they that's how they pick who ends up on the show is they walk the line to see who's cutting up. And so they pick my dad. And so they brought him back stage before they went into the, you know, everyone's get, everyone's basically walking in to sit down to watch the show get taped. And they pulled my dad to the side and they were like, hey, you know, we picked you to be on the show. And he didn't really know anything about the price, right? He's like, oh, cool. And like, all right, so we just need your social security number because you pay taxes, like, right there on the spot for whatever you win. So they need all your, like, tax ID info before you even get called down, Right. And my dad's like, oh, well, I don't have a social security number or whatever. And so as the story goes, I don't know how true the whole thing is or whatever. But so then, like, my dad said that they tried to deport him at the Price is Right because they were like, they ran his numbers. And then they were like, oh, you're here illegally. We're going to call INS, blah, blah, blah. No way. So my mom's sitting in the theater waiting. My dad disappeared and supposedly, like, CBS, like, deporting my dad, Right. So then the rest of my life, every time my dad saw me watching Price Right, he gets super pissed. Oh, like, just like, throw shit at the TV. Shit. All right. 
fast forward to whatever year that was, like 2004, actually. It was 2004, and I was sitting in my house, and my roommate, Kaleem, DJ Kaleem, comes and knocks on the door, and he says, he said, yo, Des, my dad's visiting from New Jersey, and he got tickets to go to The Price is Right, and we have an extra ticket. <laughs> Do you want to go with us? I said, hell yeah. <laughs> I said, but before I got, I got to get my Peruvian soccer jersey, and wear it because I'm going to represent for what y'all did to my dad. Right. No doubt. Right, right. If I'm on TV, I just want to be seen with my Peruvian national team soccer jersey to represent the fact that you may or may not have tried to deport my dad Man. when he went there. So we're in line again, and we're cutting up, and I see the producers walk, and I'm like, this is just like my dad said it would happen. And here come the producers walking the line. <laughs> so I knew because he had told me, so I, I was like, they kind of walked by me, and I was like, "I was like, hey, Mark Summers, come here." And she like turned around. I was like, "I was like, hey, you guys tried to deport my dad, and I'm here for revenge." <laughs> and they were like, they were like, what? And they were like walking away. I was like, I was like, 1977. My dad was on Price Right. You guys tried to deport him. I'm here for revenge. And he laughed. He was like, he was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's crazy, man. And they like wrote my name down. So I was like. <laughs> so we walked in and no I'm sitting there and I'm like, damn, man, I think they might actually call me because he kind of <laughs> laughed and I was on his radar. So you know how the price is right goes, right? So they yeah. called six people when oh, the show yeah. started yeah. and they didn't call me. And I was sitting there like, oh, man, that's maybe they'll call me again. Right. Yeah. So they called two more dudes and then they did the showcase showdown and they still hadn't called me. So now there's only three people left to call. Right. And the show's winding down. They call one dude, they call the next dude. Now there's only one person left, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, I can't believe they didn't call me. That's fucked up. But you know what? They called me. I was the last person they called, which is, if you watch The Price is Right religiously, that is the worst position to get called in. It is. Yeah, absolutely. The you worst, statistically, yeah. you get called down into contestants' role. You have to bid first, and you're the last. You get one chance to win. Yeah, you can't figure out the, the pattern for bidding. It's like you, you don't, coming. You just get called in, yeah. and, and then and if you don't win that one and go up, the show's over. It's a wrap, right? Because you're the last, <laughs> right? So I'm. They called me down there, and I was just I had my I couldn't even believe it. I was just happy I got down there, right? <laughs> so Bob Barker comes over and he's he's talking to me, and I'm like, all right. So I got to bid first on a washer and dryer set, and I bid high because I had this strategy. I was like, I'm gonna bid super high and try and drag everyone up with me. Right. Mm -hmm. And then make us all bid again. But then I'll come in right below my high bid. Now, this is the thinking of a dude who watched wow. like a thousand episodes of The Price is Right as a kid. Mm -hmm. So I had a strategy. So I said twelve hundred. Yeah. And then everyone bid high and I knew it. And it said <laughs> eh, eh, eh. everyone must bid again. I said, yes, I got you motherfuckers right where I want you. <laughs> I cannot believe this. So then man. I hit them with the eight fifty, and and then and then they were all over the place. They didn't even know what to do. So I won. Wow! Holy and shit! If you watch the video, I I swagged out when I walked up because I yeah. I like I, I, I turned around and I pointed at my man Kaleem. I said, "Fam, I I said this is for us. This is for my dad. It's for your dad." Yeah. And he was. I think he was salty. His dad didn't get called, but I was like, "Dude, I'm do I'm winning now." And so, wouldn't you know it? They, they called the shell game 
for me. Oh. And I was like, oh, I got this. <laughs> Here's the best part. For the shell game, you got to win chips to put in front of the shells, right? Mm-hmm. They made me bid on a turntable. They rolled out yeah. this turntable. Yeah. I looked right at the camera like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> now, this is 2004. I already had three albums out. You know what I mean? Like, I knew some fans were going to be watching this live. So I, had, I looked dead at the camera like, are you kidding me? Yeah. And this is before vinyl was cool. This is before, like, it was cool to have, a, like, a record player like it is now, right? This is, this is 2004, right? No, this is right. totally random. Yeah. Like, they weren't just giving record players away. This right. was just, that's one hip-hop producers on The Price is Right, and they're going to make them bid on a turntable. Ooh, turntable. <laughs> so... I got all of them. Oh. I won the couch set. I'm actually sitting on that couch Damn. right now. As no speak. way. That's what I'm talking about, It's a about, green man. couch, <laughs> and we've had it ever since 2004. That's crazy. Uh. I didn't win on the wheel because that's luck. There's no way to rig that, but I won everything else. And so right. I won the washer dryer, the turntable, the couch set, collection of English literature, all sorts of stuff. That's yeah, what that's I'm right. talking about. You yeah. supply a turtle wax. <laughs> <laughs> Meeks, you gotta see and that I got video. To shake, man. I got to I'm, hang out with Bob, man. I got to shake his hand. That's and, dope. You know what I mean? Like we got to spend a commercial break together because right after I won, that was that was like the end. Like they went straight to the showdown. That's dope. That's so, dope. That's dope. Man. Yeah, I'm gonna wow. be checking that out. I, I, like I said, I think I saw that, man. But uh, but I, the story was was way better. Wow. Yeah, just <laughs> type in type in Fest One Price is Right, and it'll come up, I'll and you'll see up. me. And my man Kaleem, and they're all we're all there in the crowd. You see me hop up with the Peruvian soccer jersey Dope. Yeah. and just murk the whole thing. <laughs> well, it's so funny because you're watching it and like you're, you're it's like you're waiting for a people under the stairs video to start. You're like, there's no fucking way that this can be real and it's fucking real. You know, yeah, people like, thought it was people thought it was like a stage thing that we had spliced in like yeah. shots of me, you know what I mean? Like a green screen type thing or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Stas, you're up there. You're up there lunching and cheesing too, man. Like you are like, holy shit! I bet you were about to explode up there, man. Like it's a wonder you kept your composure and you were able to pull that shit off. Yeah, I was super nervous, man. I mean, it was like it's it's crazy when you get up there because you're looking. So like the, when you watch it, you never when you watch it as a kid growing up, you only see it from the camera angle. But when you're up there, you're looking at all the. You know what I'm saying? You're looking back yeah, at all yeah, like yeah. the cameras. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, really, I was noticing, like, I was tripping out on really funny things. Like, I was tripping out, like, the wheel in the inside of the wheel that you spin, the big wheel, it's hollow. And there's, like, right. nails and shit sticking through it. Like, the part that the camera doesn't see, it looks like someone went to Home Depot and made it, which is super <laughs> yeah, rad, you know? Like, yeah, rad. Yeah. <laughs> it's real low impact when you get up there. It's like <laughs> the camera makes it look real good, but it's not at all, man. People have no idea how fucking shoddy show business is, man. <laughs> I mean, the shit that Yo, they dude, do. the handles on the side of the wheel, they're like cabinet handles. Like, they're like old, and they're all worn out from all the hand oil that's been on them for the last, like, 40 years. And Bob Barker uh, smelled like cash money. And I was like, you know how wet cash smells? He smelled like new wet cash. And then I realized it's because in his jacket pocket, he's got all this bonus money he needs to give out. So dude had like a couple of yards in his pocket. That's like, he smells like cash. 
Oh, that is one of the best stories I have heard in a really long time. You could get the wrong motherfucker on that wheel, and that shit is going out into the crowd. (laughs) I want to be watching The Price is Right that day. (laughs) Dude, man. Like, in contestants' row, like, like the part that you're behind. Yeah, it's probably It's all gum like exposed and... light bulb sockets <laughs> and there's like yeah. wires everywhere and shit. Yeah. yeah. People have no idea, man. Show business is a fucking forest, dude. It, t- it yeah, really man. is. But, oh, you know, shit. that was like, like I said, man, like I've, I've basically been fortunate enough to spend my entire life living out a bunch of childhood shit goals basically oh yeah man just marking them off the list you know what i'm saying Absolutely. like there's, there's very few left at this point you know what i mean i, I feel yeah. i feel uh it's it's a trip dude like i can't believe i was on the price right as i even as i'm telling this story man. you know that's great Thez, i can't believe keep... i'm a professional rapper by trade you know yeah man, Thez, just, just keep marking them off man just kids just <laughs> yeah, keep no just doubt. keep going down the list bro you it sounds like you handling that shit very well man for real. No doubt. Yeah. All right, Thes. Well, we taken absolutely enough of your time this evening. If you could tell these fine folks where they can go to uh, get some new music, uh, support you guys, uh, that would be great. We'll just kind of wrap things up like that. Just uh, check us out on uh, www.puts.band. Puts.band is basically our website. It has all our shows coming up. It has any special stuff we're working on and a lot of free music and you know we're on soundcloud and instagram and all that good stuff you can find us but you know come check us out at a show that's really the best way to see it because uh we still try and we still do our show with all vinyl and uh you know we try and keep that tradition going the tradition of risk breaking the law there you go all right so there's there's some there's some uh there's some shows coming up too it looks like you guys are gonna be yeah you guys are gonna be on the uh the east coast here uh, what towards the end of June it looks like. Yeah, we'll be in New York, D.C., Boston. You know, we'll nice. be, we'll be coming around. All right, cool. all right, cool. Maybe we maybe we can figure out a, a way to get these guys back down south. Well, hell yeah, put push Peter to put down, put together a little. Uh, yeah, man, get another little, get like a tour. dollar show going. You yeah, know, like yeah. if we can figure out a way to get a show going where ain't, no one has a reason not to go, and and a bunch of kids who maybe couldn't afford to go, or a bunch of kids who've never seen people on stairs, they go in there and watch Double K throw it down on the turntables, and you know, let's do it. Yeah, it'd be dope. There it is. All right, cool. Oh, I also want to I oh, want to yeah. shout out to your listeners might be into this. I'm gonna make a world announcement right now. Okay, Uh-oh, here we go. That no one knows about, but people on stairs and Peace Lock, which is basically like my company, like keep people on stairs manufacturing stuff. We're teaming up with Redef. And the good folks over there, Redef, Damu, KDef, all those cats, and we're gonna be—they're gonna be releasing some vinyl for us. We're gonna be doing instrumental albums, and we're gonna be partnering up to do some collaborative stuff. So that's for me. That's exciting oh. uh, to be to be working with Redef, man. Yeah, John nice. and all the, John and John over there too, yeah, right? Man. Yeah, John, yeah, dope. John has been slaving away on on really on our behalf, working on getting the the getting off stage part two vinyl together that's going to be a collaborative release and then we're okay. going to do uh we're going to do instrumentals and, and everything and, and keep it within that that community of uh of do-it-yourself hip-hop dudes who are doing a good thing man no oh, that's dope a great label great dudes over there we, Absolutely. we play all of their records on the show at, at some point or another so that, that's really that's really dope to hear man 
Yeah, man, I couldn't be happier. I mean, I just it's yeah. like minded. We're all like minded individuals, and and I yeah. feel like there's strength in numbers if we if we can band together. You know, we can we can yeah. turn around this kind of negative vibe that's going on right now. Absolutely, yeah, no doubt. Be looking out for that for all sure. Right. So, Thez, hold tight with us while we wrap this up. Southern right. Vanguard Radio, Mr. Meeks. Yeah, man. It's another one, my friend. Hey, man. I, wow. I thoroughly enjoyed this. That Price is Right shit, man. Oh, man. Wow. You're not, so, not going to get so any better than that. <laughs> good. And all kinds of... I, I can't wait to go back and listen to yeah, this, this man. Yeah, this was good. You know I don't sure. go back and actually listen to a lot of the interviews, right? Man, yo, you were really... But I'm going to go back and listen yeah, to this one. You would bug yourself out going back and listening to this shit. Some of this shit is real <laughs> crazy, man. But this this is one for the books right absolutely, here, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, folks, this is Southern Vanguard Radio. Every Tuesday, it's a new mix show. Every Thursday, it's a new interview. Twice a week. People Under the Stairs, Thez One, Double K, yeah. Redef, uh, the Augustan Agency. Yeah, man. You can check us on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and MixCloud at Southern Vanguard. Leave the U out of Vanguard. We had to do some silly, funny rap shit so we could get the domain name. That's and so right. So we could get all the handles. That's right. Uh, and, you know, just take it from there. LA, stand up. You got it. Thez, we appreciate it, man. Thank you, brother. Thank you, fellas. Yeah, man. We're out. Peace. Peace.